Welcome, Maniffiners. If this is your first time joining us, then this is a place where listeners are invited to expand their God box with many epiphanies, embrace spirituality over religion, and actually walk out the two greatest commandments in life, or at least be inspired to. Inspired to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and inspired to love others as we love ourselves. If we have not met, I'm Alina Van Dyke. I'm your podcast hostess. Most episodes will be with just me, but sometimes we pull in guest speakers, and I hope to bring mindfulness and awareness to your spiritual life. And by that, I really mean your daily life, because here I believe that everything is spiritual. I believe that everything affects your relationship with God. It has been a long time since we have recorded a podcast, and so today I really want to discuss transition. This has been such a life-changing season for the whole world with COVID-19 um, still bridging into today, mask mandates finally being dropped, all of the things that have shaken our normal reality day by day for those of us that remember 2018 at least. <laughs> um, and because of that, there have been so many changes in ministry, in churches, in spirituality, in the way that people are living their lives watching things online, listening to podcasts, all the different ways that you can connect with the Lord and feed your soul has radically changed. People have moved in different directions. They have had their spirituality shaken. They've questioned God and pain and suffering in the world. All kinds of things have come up over the past few years. I was recently talking to a friend and we said that not only was it a pandemic with COVID, it was a pandemic of divorce. It was a pandemic and relationships. It was also a time of massive reconciliation. I'm sure tons of things got brought back together as people were returning to their homes, returning to their families. I feel like the Lord was really bridging, um, especially fathers to their children and, and children to their mothers. There was a lot of reconciliation and good things to celebrate as well. But with all of that shaking and all of that change, it just really has brought up a lot for me questions around um, truly what is my purpose and message to bring to you? What really is the direction that Menifanes and me as Alina Van Dyke, what direction shall I go in as a spiritual leader, as a director, as a um, guide for people? And really, I think there's two big things that I want to talk about today. One is, is my friendship with you. Even long distance, even if we have never met, one of the things that I often used to say, and I say at the beginning of my book, is that I want you to feel like a very good friend is sitting down with you, having a cup of coffee, um, curled up on a couch maybe, depending on who you are and if that doesn't weird you out, or sitting next to you in the passenger seat while you drive in your car and telling you about their best friend and bragging almost about how amazing God is. When we are in a relationship with the Lord, then it is akin to a relationship with someone here on earth. I believe the Bible is very clear about how we are the the closest, I should say, the closest thing that we have to modeling a relationship with God is the institution of marriage. And so when two people come together and get married and covenant to live their life together and walk together through life, that is the closest thing that we have as an earthly example to what our covenant with the Lord should be like and how to walk through life with Him in, in 
the commitment and choice of covenant, but also the the dance of love, the the development of a relationship where you get to know each other and you learn each other's quirks and preferences and you learn to listen to each other and learn how to communicate and learn what that person likes and doesn't like and you know how how you know when I relate it to the Lord, how he wants to connect with other people and how we can be a little bit more extroverted and connect with other people with him and how we can invite him into what we're doing. All of those different elements. That all fits kind of a mirror image of what it means to be in an earthly relationship with somebody. And I talk about it a lot in my book. The book is officially coming out this month that is called Return to Love, Restoring the Heart of Christianity. And you can find it on Amazon, on everywhere very soon. Um, you'll be able to go to a Barnes and Noble if you want and go and ask them to order it for you. It'll be everywhere. <laughs> um, and if you love listening to my voice, then the audio version and the ebook are available. And honestly, I think the book is a really great way to kind of bridge back to being your friend. I don't want to be someone who acts like the expert, acts like they have it all together, I think that that's one of the main things that we've done wrong in the church is we've put pastors on pedestals. There's this eliteness around who has an audience and who could teach and who has a great following and all of that stuff. And those things are beautiful because I know the Lord uses them and whatever. But truly, if we are looking to someone as greater than us, as a teacher, as all of these things, then we are missing out on really placing God as our teacher placing God as the main voice and main authority in our life. And instead we've placed these other people that are just as human, just as fallible, just as messed up, just as broken. And, and, you know, everybody's a little farther or, um, or behind you on the life journey, not just in age, but in experience and in development and in pain and processing their pain and healing and experiences. And, and it's great to glean wisdom from, community, from the people around us, from podcasts, from everything. And I know I'm trying to create a word picture for you of just saying, I hope that you're listening to people that you consider integral, consider a friend, consider somebody who's um, more of an equal than a elite. And while I am educated and experienced and have spent my entire life trying to understand the divine, build a relationship with God, and really question religion in particular, like the way and the system that we present Christianity to the world. I am not trying to lift myself above or say that this is the best way or whatever. I think that Minifini started with that concept of step-by-step little mini epiphanies that change your life in the everyday that if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, then you're going to see God moving and breathing and spirituality uh, forming and transitioning and growing if you're looking for it in everything that happens. Today, I was standing in the kitchen and I was looking out the window and I am not kidding you. The wind in New Mexico is so insane that a trampoline literally must have gotten picked up from somebody's backyard. It was flying over the houses in our neighborhood. Like I was worried it was going to hit the power lines. It like 
went in between the houses and the power lines and then like flew down the street outside of the view of my window. And I was like, holy crap, I cannot believe that the wind is so strong that it literally picked up a trampoline. And I don't mean like the little three foot bouncer things. I mean like a legit trampoline with like the netting around the edges. It was far away. So I don't want to like guess like, oh, it was eight feet across or something, but it like, it was at least six feet across. That thing was real big. And, um, and I was just like, man, it's so funny, like that you, you can come home from work today and your trampoline is gone. And, and that little thing, you know, like here's, here's the brain of Alina. This is like the behind the scenes, remove the curtain. This is the, <laughs> the wizard behind the curtain, like wizard of Oz. Um, the, the thoughts in my brain were like, man, like I, <laughs> one, if you don't jump, God's going to move the trampoline and somebody else can jump Two, Somebody's going to walk in their backyard today and the thing that they thought that they had is now gone. Like nature just took it. There's not, it's not like somebody stole it. They're probably maybe even going to think someone stole it, you know, that it was a human that did it to them, that it was a personal attack. And in reality, the wind completely independent of will, desire to harm, pain, what, you know, nothing. It just like fate, like what, it, what does that mean? Like what, it, where's God in that, that this thing just like, disappeared and the kids are going to be so sad that their trampoline's gone, you know? Um, and then vice versa. What about the integrity? I wondered about the person that gets it in their yard instead. Do they, how do they hunt the neighborhood for the person that it belongs to? Or how do they decide, I guess, to leave it in their yard and go, wow, God blessed us. We were praying for a trampoline and now it's in our yard and it just showed up like literally the wind brought it. What, it, how, how, like, if we're looking at little tiny things, granted, you don't see a trampoline fly through the air very often. Um, so I get that. But my point is to say that's a miniphany. There's these little moments in life, no matter how big, no matter how rare, no matter how small, no matter how common, that if you have eyes to see it and question, what does that mean? How does that affect people? And be present and aware of your surroundings, what's happening, then it leads you to big questions. And that's the thing is like my physical friends, my real friends that are here, my closest inner circle, they know that they get around me and this is just who I am. This isn't a mask I put on. This isn't something that's like, oh, Alina's going to turn on spirituality today. This is just who I am. You can literally present me with anything and I'm going to ask about the spiritual implications of what it means to absorb that into your life. And that doesn't matter if it's a TV show or sitting in the backyard with a book, um, conversations with friends of just bad company corrupts good character, like be careful who you surround yourself with, like like literally everything. And and sometimes, you know, it's like you can use different words for it. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday and I was saying, you know, you watch a TV show and then it was kind of a depressing show and then you're absorbed with the sadness and the sorrow and you're questioning life and it's really brought you down and like maybe you should be careful and not absorb that. And I was using the word energy because it's like, well, what, what word do we use to describe this? Do we say like super extreme right side of like demons crawled out of the TV and now they're affecting you and making you feel depressed? Do you say it's just energy and it's, you know, brought the vibration in the room down or is it just synapses in your brain that you're like, well, I, I started creating a rut having these negative thought patterns and now 
you know, these things are firing and I need to like intentionally change them to a more positive thought pattern. No matter how you look at it, from science to energy to spirituality to whatever, everyone knows that what you behold, you become. And that's a biblical concept. There's so many things in the Bible that it's just a one-liner and it's really simple. And we don't know why God said it. But then when you start living life, you're like, oh, this is this really is something that is going to be birthed in my life, is going to come to fruition. I have to pay attention to what seeds I plant. I have to pay attention to what ruts I'm creating in my brain, what thought patterns. We need a pattern interrupt sometimes to switch from being mopey to, to something else. You have to get out of the house when you're feeling stuck. You have to make a movement. You have to make a change. All of these things are life-changing, but they're all so simple. And so again, that's what Menifnes was kind of like, I think, initially based on. And, and so, you know, the long story short, all of my rambling leads me here. My goal in Menifnes is to present you with me. It's to present you with raw, vulnerable, true thoughts based on my experience, based on my wisdom, based on my uh, study in the spirit and in the church and in seminary and all of that stuff in world religion. That was what my undergrad was in, you know, to, to go, I, I've really sought this stuff and this is where I've come and I'm happy with where I've come and I want to share it with the world. It's to obey the mandate that Lord, the Lord gave me of saying, tell them I love them and I died for them. I think that's huge that we preach Jesus instead of preaching Alina or preaching Menifanese or preaching a system of thought even, because the the truth is, is that I believe when you turn off this podcast, you can't hear my voice anymore. It is Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Lord that walks with you through the rest of your day. You might get me for 15 minutes, an hour, whatever. You might come to a weekend retreat and you spend a whole weekend or a week with me, but then you leave. And when you leave and you go back to your normal life and I'm not with you, he is. And I want to make sure that I'm introducing you to him because he's the one that transforms you. God is in the transformation business. That's what this is for. The other part is to, number two, we've changed topics now. Number two is to correct and encourage. And those aren't great phrases necessarily or words, I guess. Um, But it's to challenge the things that the church is teaching or... um, the world is teaching even, and say, is that really true? And what does the Bible have to say about it or whatever? It's to correct some things. And I don't mean in a condemning way. I don't mean, um, you know, again, even to say this is this is the final truth or anything like that, but to say, for example, Sunday morning I was at Citizen Church here in Albuquerque, and Dustin Woodward preached on women in ministry and women being voices. And he looked at the verse from Paul that said, women need to be silent in church. And and I, I think this, I'm, I guess I'm ironically kind of bringing it up because I think on my main website on EliteVanDyke.com, it's going to link to this video. For people that have questions about like, how can a woman preach and is it okay for her to preach and is it okay for her to teach and be a spiritual leader or whatever, you have to watch this. Because he broke it down and he said, what is the context of this verse? And he talked about how the women shall not speak, that word that Paul uses is um, the word for like being talkative and 
causing a disruption in the middle of the service. It's not that they can't preach, can't be apostles, can't be prophets, can't be leaders. And gosh, like, you know, I've been saying that for years. (laughs) Um, And just to hear someone echo it back to me was so beautiful because being a female myself, I think that there is a challenge that comes against us and we doubt our own like authority over interpreting that scripture correctly or incorrectly because I don't want to use scripture to justify my own behavior. I want to make sure that I'm genuine and sincere about interpreting it the way that I genuinely believe in the depths of my being that God meant it to be interpreted and understood. And I used to say this in previous podcasts too. I love the Hebrew concept that the Bible is like looking at a diamond and that you can put it out in the light and and depending on the angle, you're going to see the light go through the diamond in tons of different ways. It's going to be blue and pink and red and green and you're going to have these different angles and it's going to shine light a different way. And I think that we as humans are like diamonds in that sense that the Lord's light shines through us and that we are light from the inside out, and that we have lots of different angles. The Bible has lots of different angles. You have to stand, I'll I'll use our catchphrases, all the way on a right and see the way the right side, the conservative side, the, um, I don't know what to call it, fundamental side or whatever, looks at a scripture, and then stand on a different angle and see the way that a different denomination or uh, the mystics or, um, you know, whatever in the middle has, has tried to interpret it and then stand all the way on the left and go, how do they see it? And what do they see around, uh, justice and reconciliation and, and, um, freedom in humanity. And like, in other words, all these different angles are highlighting specific things about the Bible for a specific reason. They are all different and while we need unity, we also need diversity. And so standing on all those different angles and all those different sides gives you the opportunity to look at the diamond from from tons of different angles. Because somebody might stand on one side and go, oh, I see this. And the other person stands on the other side and says, I don't see that at all. I only see this instead. And they're arguing like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. When in reality, they're both right, but they're standing on two different sides and they're seeing two different angles. And And my weird, unique only God created path could I have done this in life was to stand on, I I don't want to say all sides. I was going to say all sides, but you know, clearly there are unlimited angles. Don't get me wrong, but to stand on the right, um, at IHOP and experience what it was like to be at the international house of prayer, to stand on the left at George Fox evangelical seminary, which is now Portland seminary and experience what that side has to say to, be in a Lutheran elementary school when I was a kid to attend a Baptist uh, youth group in high school. I can go down the list. I'm, you know, attending a spirit and word church here, attending an assemblies of God church, being a part of the vineyard church. There are tons of different denominations that are questioning what is the best way. What is our way? What do we want to highlight? And I've often said that different denominations just have their thing. Like the Methodists are pretty good about being against alcohol. You know, everybody's kind of taken their torch and their thing that they're going to stand by and put their flag in the ground and say, this is where I'm going to stand. And I, and I mentioned this in the book, 
I want to stand in a place where I go, yep, it all fits. Everything is ordained by God. The Lord loves diversity and he made a diverse church with every tribe and tongue and nation coming together with their own peace that they carry. And we lack when we do not have the ability to see all of those pieces work together and see and appreciate all of those different pieces for what they are. We are one big body of Christ coming together and we all fit and we're all needed and we all have a seat at the table. I posted something on Instagram today. It was an old teaching from a long time ago with a pastor talking about this idea of like, what what's the purpose of pain? That, that the Lord often, I think, breathes on. And I think in this season through COVID and through the deconstruction of the church and deconstruction of relationships and questioning narcissism and unhealthy relationships and all these big topics and movements that are happening in the world right now to figure out what's been wrong genuinely has been a desire to search for growth, to improve things, to make things better. And we don't always do that the right way. I think a lot of the things that we're doing to improve is just swinging from one side of the spectrum to the other and not really searching for the middle. And that's not good in the long run, but in the in the moment, that tends to be what you do. You go, that was wrong, so I'm going to completely reject it, push it way far away from me and go way over here instead. And like I said about the diamond, there has to be almost this introspective circling of like, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And so again, there's a, a correcting of this isn't right. What we've been doing isn't the whole picture. We've been missing things. And then on the other side, there's an encouragement of like, this is what we did do, right? We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We don't want to say church was bad, so I'm never, ever, ever going to go again. Or marriage failed, so I'm never going to get married again. Or, you know, I could have caught COVID and somebody else passed away. And so I'm never going to go out in public again. And I'm going to shield my children. Like there has to be a level of actual living. And, you know, I use those three things as examples, but that works in every area of your life, no matter what it is. Even if it's that you had a really crappy boss and you're like, well, I'm never going to work again. That's not the right answer. It's like, go find a great boss. And now you've learned the lesson of like, those are red flags and I never want to work for somebody that acts that way again. There has to be balance and there has to be actually living your life and walking it out and figuring out the best way uh, step by step, not something that is drastic change overnight. Because often when you make a snap decision and you shift radically, like never going to do that again, now I'm going to be over here, that extreme is probably not in your highest and best interest, it's probably not true. Like there were reasons why you chose that when you did to walk in that perspective, to be um, on that side of the diamond. I'm just going to keep using this analogy, you know, whatever it is. And, and you trusted that younger version of yourself. You were doing the best that you could at the time. There was a reason why you chose to stand there. There was a reason why you chose to put your flag in that sand instead of different sand. And, um, and draw a line. It's an analogy to, or a hint at Jesus, you know, putting a line in the sand in front of the adulterous woman and separating her and, and shielding her from the Pharisees that want to stone her. But anyway, um, so there's a place where you drew the line in the sand and you said, this is where I'm going to be. And this is my truth. And, 
And you have to reflect back after some growth and go, why did I stand there? What voices were influencing me to stand there? What biblically was influencing me to stand there? What pain um, was influencing me to stand there? And now that I've healed from trauma or gotten away from those voices or grown a little or whatever, where am I choosing to stand now? Or it's the opposite. It's like I was standing there and I was under really bad influences. I was running away from God or I had um, a really bad group of friends and bad company corrupts good character. And now I've wised up and I don't want to stand over there anymore. I want to be more loving, more kind, more generous. Um, I'm happier now, whatever. We want to look for the truth and we want to fix and correct the partial truths. And then we want to give ourselves credit for the things that we had right and encourage others and ourselves to move on and move forward and not get stuck, not be stagnant, uh, move on. And so, so again, all of that kind of boils down to my two things of when you listen to this, I'm not, and it feels weird even to say this cause I'm not trying to like, uh, convince you of something or brag or, or do something to, I feel, I, I don't know. It feels weird when, when teachers are like, I'm not this because, then you're like, well, why are you telling me that unless you are? So, so I get that skepticism, but to say like, my friends can attest, (laughs) I'm just the weird spiritual kid. I'm like the weird mystic that has always loved all of this. And that's what you're going to get out of me. You're going to get the genuine lover of Jesus without a doubt, who has questioned everything, been all over the spectrum when it comes to different denominations or or experiences in Christianity, has tried to look at things from different angles, not even intentionally, but like that's just the path that the Lord put me on. I just, I want to, I want to be me. You know, I was listening to something the other day and it was like, if you're, um, actually I think it was like a Jim Carrey speech on Instagram. And he was saying, um, like, if you're going to fail anyway, then you might as well fail at something that you love. Cause it was like, don't really put your hope in like a day job and then you get laid off that day job and then life isn't what you thought it was going to be. So it's like, figure out the thing that you really, really, really want to do and then go at it with your whole heart. And if you fail, then at least you failed at the thing that you loved doing while you were doing it instead of trying to, you know, create this structure for yourself that you thought would keep you safe, but really it was just building your house on sand. And, um, and so that's that's what we're doing this year. You know, the book is going to be out in a week and and everything is kind of moving in this like all of us shook off and shook away these false structures, these false systems, these false beliefs that were holding us captive before COVID and everything's been shaken. And if you haven't yet, I believe the opportunity is always available, but but hopefully you did during COVID. Um you know, as you were shaking things or things were being shaken, that you were inviting God into that and you were willing to let go of the things that you were holding too tightly on and say, I'm just going to hold on to God and I'm not going to hold on to the church and I'm not going to hold on to my job and I'm not going to hold on to anything. I'm just going to hold on to God is with me. If he's with me, nothing can be against me. I'm going to trust that I'm on this path for a reason, that things are happening for a reason, that there's good at the end of this mess, that I worship the God that calms the storm and life is stormy right now, but I'm not alone in the storm. And he's so comfortable that he's like sleeping in the bottom of the boat. Again, I'm like referencing these Bible stories. I hope you're getting it. Um, anyway, and, and so I, 
I'm inviting you to be challenged and encouraged by a friend, a friend that you can trust to be honest and vulnerable and sincere and authentic, who loves Jesus with her whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, but isn't happy with the way that the church has used and abused people, harmed them, manipulated them, used God as a way to get money, get power, etc. And I, I, I really do want to be a voice that's crying out in the desert for repentance, for change, for prophetic truth. And I, I'm sure there's no way to get it perfect all the time or Well, I mean, I question myself all the time, especially when you walk around the diamond and you stand on one side and and you think you have it figured out and then you walk on the other side and you're like, oh my God, I was super wrong. Um, I, I think that's a normal part of the spiritual experience. I used to have a friend that would say to me, the more you know, the less you know. And I think that's super accurate. That has really um, unfolded, especially in the last few years. But again, I feel like I'm rambling on you to come back to this point. It's kind of like we bridge out and then I pull back and bridge out and pull back. I want to be the friend that you would want to invite over for coffee to sit down or tea or whatever you drink and (laughs) ice water and, um, and talk about God, like the person that you're not afraid to ask questions, you know, like you can't talk about religion and politics with a lot of people. I want to be the person that everybody can talk to about religion that everybody could talk about Christianity, that everybody could question why Christianity instead of something else, like that I'm the safe place. And that, I mean, really, that's what spiritual direction is, right? Like you come into spiritual direction and it's this experience where you sit down with somebody and you say, I really want to work on developing my relationship with the Lord and I have questions. And if you are mindfully and intentionally developing your spiritual life, through surrender and through opening your heart to meet God as you are, where you are, then spiritual direction provides an experience where you get the one-on-one care of walking, co-journeying, co-walking down a life path together, where you show up at church on a Sunday and somebody just preaches at you and then you absorb this secondhand experience of what they read or they studied. Spiritual direction is this intimate conversation between friends and the Holy Spirit to go, where are you? Why are you there? I'm going to use the diamond thing again. Why are you standing on that side of the diamond? What led you there? Was it your parents that made you believe that? Was that real? Um, what, what, what brought you there and why do you choose to continue to stand there? And do you want to, like, how can we expand your God box, get you to see who he is from a different angle? And I, I mean, clearly I believe in spiritual direction because that's what I went to school for. Otherwise I wouldn't have wasted thousands of dollars going to school for it. But I think that we all agree that when you sit with somebody that really believes what they believe and is confident about what they believe, but they are humble enough to ask questions, not defend, but listen and and care and listen about what you have to say and and why you're over where you are on that side of the diamond, then there's this freedom to breathe and be yourself and also question and 
um, not be defensive and not be offended um, or offend others, but but stand also humbly. Like like there's this mirror thing. Um, and it might depend on your personality type, I think, but a lot of us tend to be prickly because we're afraid of being attacked, uh, anxious because we're afraid of being attacked, and not feel safe. And then when you finally come to a place where you feel like you really could ask some deep, meaningful questions that could change your life in a safe environment, it, it does change you because you, that, that's rare in our day. It's pretty rare that you have somebody turn to you and say, I see where you are on the journey. I remember being on that step as I climbed the staircase or looking at things from that angle. And I trust the Lord is walking with you where you are. There's nothing wrong with where you are, but I will pray and encourage and disciple even you towards further forming your faith, going deeper in the Lord, going deeper in trust, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, all of those things in order to be a better person, be more present, walk with the Lord with more confidence, be stronger in your faith, be an unshakable person who is healthy in mind, body, spirit, soul, who's um, got good boundaries, who's attached and detached in healthy ways, who's, um, you know, all of those things. The list could go on. I won't continue on, but instead I'll end here. This is why the podcast starts and the book discusses and everything I'm doing kind of surrounds around boiling everything down to the golden rule. And especially when you see the book cover, it's this mental image for me of having a heart of gold if we're living the golden rule. If our heart is set on loving God first and loving others as we love ourselves, then we are, and I'll start with this, loving ourselves in a way that is healthy. We are caring for ourselves. We're not self-serving. We're not selfish. We're not considering others to be better than us um, or vice versa, us to be more arrogant and better than others. We're humble. We're teachable but we're confident and we're not bending over backwards and we're not codependent. If we are healthy in mind, body, and spirit, and then we're loving others and echoing to them and encouraging them to be that same level of health. We're not taking advantage of others. We're not putting them down. We're not bitter and angry and unforgiving, but we're, we're magnetic and, and getting everyone around us to also echo back this internal love for themselves and love for the people around them to not offend, to not harm, to make a difference, to encourage, to lift people up, all of that stuff, to pay it forward. There's catchphrases, but if we're living that life and Jesus worded it this way, if we're living that life of others recognizing that we love him by our love period, by our love for others, the way that we love, love in Christianity is defined very clearly. In the world, it's not defined really at all. But in Christianity, it is love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not arrogant, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it keeps no record of wrong. Can you imagine that? It always trusts, always hopes, always preserves, 
I'm doing that from memory, so I'm sure I missed something in there, but love never fails. God never fails. And if that is the definition that we are leaning on when we say, how are we going to love ourselves and love others? We're going to be kind to ourselves. We're going to be kind to others. We're going to be patient with ourselves. We're going to be patient with others. We're going to keep no record of wrong for ourselves and others. Then if we're going to live that, I can say from experience, that is not possible without learning how to love from the source of love from God. You can't define love that way and live that out without divine help. Like we're just, we're human, we're fallible. It is not possible. And even with divine help, there are moments that you just choose not to obey him, you know, and we, you know, have moments that we fail. Um, But what I'm trying to say is that, that everything boils down to this. Everything that we do in our life boils down to our definition of love, how we live out relationships, how we treat ourselves and others, and in what place in our level of priority, we place God. And when we say we love God first and foremost, and he is our everything, then that is the umbrella that everything else in our life comes under and submits to. And when we do that, it alters the way that you live your life. Everything is redefined by the way that you choose to live that out. And again, when you're in a I guess I thought it was ending, but now I'm rambling. I'm sorry. It's good stuff, I swear. When you're in a physical relationship with a real human in life, then you you reorient your life to have dinners with them, to have lunch with them, to text them. You take moments out of your day to make them a priority. And, you know, they get sick and you take time off work, whatever it is, whatever they need. When you love someone, you're actively and intimately involved in their life. And that is on a mental, emotional, spiritual, physical level. It's not just surface. And when we choose to love God, then we do the exact same thing. We intimately invite him into our mind, body, heart, spirit, and he transforms us. Love is transformational. It changes the way that we act, think, behave, everything. And there, again, there's so many scriptures, like my mind is exploding with like, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the Lord is the only one that knows the inner workings of the heart of man. And, and he sees into the depths of all things and knows the deepest thoughts of your heart and that our bodies are a temple and that, that we need to present our lives as a living sacrifice and as a sweet fragrance to the Lord that we burn for him in a way that is aware that every action in our life is an act of worship, that every movement is an act of worship, that again, what we behold, we become. And so we want to focus our eyes on God and what's good and lovely and pure instead of things that are destructive or harmful or accusatory or offensive. I think that we're all searching for that. I think that we are all hoping for something that is real. And there's an old prophecy that I used to hear at IHOP that said that the Lord was going to redefine Christianity in one generation. And I heard Mike Bickle say it a few times from stage. And every time he would say that, I would just be like, Lord, let, let that be me. Like, let there be, let me see that in my generation. Let there be a group of people that genuinely are willing to redefine Christianity. And by redefine, I really do mean restore back to what we genuinely believe Jesus 
wanted it to be. Um, I don't believe in any way, shape, or form that Jesus came to start a religion. I don't think that he came to just build a pharmaceutical system number two. I just don't, I don't believe that at all. I do think that he came in order to present a way of life. And, and that's why it's just so clear to me that when I boil it all down, everything that I have taught, believed, spoken about in years worth of podcasts and written about and everything is about how to live a life that is in the middle, that is in balance, that is spiritual, wholehearted, all in with Jesus, all in with God. I'll say radical um, in the sense that it is wholehearted, not just checking in on Sunday or checking in on Christmas and Easter, but actually living a life that is that praying without ceasing concept of like constant intimacy and constant invitation of the Lord into everything that you do. And, and so in other words, I used to say that like the blog was like this, um, a blog for spiritual living, like how to live a spirit filled life. And, and I really do, I, I still believe that that still really resounds with me. Um, so I'll end with that and say that I just want to invite you into a lifestyle of many epiphanies of every day taking another step in the direction to be wholehearted and more loving and to go deeper with Jesus and to love him more and love yourself more and love others more and be healthier, um, in mind, body, and spirit in every way, because that truly is my heart for you and my hope for Christianity, my hope for America, especially my hope for New Mexico, because I'm here, of course, in the desert. So if this Minifini inspired you, if it gave you a mini epiphany, if you have questions, if you have thoughts, one, I would love to hear them. I hope that you will email me, send me a message, post online, um, minifinis.com, alinavandyke.com, either one. You can reach me and find the book and find all kinds of different things, and you can message me there or send me a direct message on Instagram. Hopefully I'll hear from you sooner, but if not, until next time, Minifiners, from the bottom of my soul, thank you so much for listening.